Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great pleasure to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, John Lannon, who is a member of the Executive Committee of PANOP, Peace and Neutrality Alliance in Ireland, a, a founding member of Shannon Watch, uh, a lecturer and researcher at the University of Limerick, where he is part of the Human Rights and Development Research Cluster, Development Practice Research Cluster. He is working... Uh, with a, uh, an organization for democracy in the Congo. Uh, he is working with another organization called DORAS, uh, D-O-R-A-S, on helping refugees and asylum seekers uh, in Europe. John Lannon, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Great to be with you, David. Uh, great to have you on. Uh, too much probably to talk about. We can try to cover uh, uh, many of the things you're working on, um, but maybe we could start with uh, Shannon Airport and uh, neutrality uh, in Ireland. Where do things stand now? Yeah, this is something that has been occupying my mind for the last while here and also occupying a lot of my Sundays as we engage in peaceful protest outside Shannon Airport. Um, Ireland claims to be a neutral country. And um, I guess if we went back to the foundations of the state and the guy, Eamon de Valera, who drafted our constitution, it was probably so implicit or understood at that time that he didn't bother putting it in our constitution. But it has always been practiced that we would be neutral. However, the definition of what we determine as neutrality has shifted over the years. And now our governments tend to refer to something called military neutrality, which doesn't really exist in in international law, but they use it to mean that we don't engage directly in military alliances. Um, Now, the problem is that while they say that, they have also been supporting the transit of around 3 million U.S. troops and their weapons through our small civilian airport on the west coast of Ireland. That's Shannon Airport. And, And that has been happening since 2002 when... Um, The government essentially gave the use of the airport to the U.S. military and the logistics folks to help first with the invasion of Afghanistan and then Iraq. It was intended to be a temporary measure, but here we are in 2019 and it's still going on. It seems like an incredible contradiction. I mean, I could imagine Ireland saying to the United States, no, you cannot bring your troops through our airports anymore. Why not? Well, because we don't engage directly in military alliances. I mean, it seems like a perfect uh, explanation for the opposite policy of what's being engaged in. Not only would it be perfectly logical and in line with the intent at least of the the Constitution, which says that we do endeavor for peaceful resolution of of conflict. But it would also be in line with the views of the majority of Irish people who do support proper neutrality and are opposed to um, the, the U.S. military use of Shannon. Well, actually, perhaps I should correct that to say if they were 
aware of the extent of the U.S. military use of Shannon Airport, they would be opposed. Um, as Shannon Watch and Peace and Neutrality Alliance, and we have a number of other groups here in Ireland who um, are constantly highlighting this, trying to bring it to the public's attention, but the mainstream media are, by and large, quite silent on the matter. So if you look, for example, at the website, if you love the, the media, if you look at the promotional material as well from the airport, from all of the all of the information flows relating to any aspect of activity in Shannon Airport, you will see absolutely no mention of the U.S. military, even though there are two, three military or military contracted flights a day landing at the airport. The, uh, this, this not engaging in military alliances sounds like such a wonderful idea to me uh, because here in the United States, uh, when one speaks against the NATO military alliance these days, uh, one is immediately denounced uh, as not only a, a lover and worshiper of Donald Trump, but a, a servant and slave and tool of the, the evil, aggressive intentions of Vladimir Putin. Uh, I, I wonder how one manages in Ireland to be a, a, an engaged uh, uh, international global uh, citizen uh, without engaging, without supporting NATO. I mean, to be a good a civilized, uh, liberal member of society these days in the United States, one must absolutely adore NATO. Yeah, NATO is presented, broadly speaking, as a benign entity that engages in um, activities relating to peace and humanitarianism, um, broadly speaking, here in, in Ireland. Um, our main government party of the moment, Fine Gael would probably have us in NATO if they had their way and if they were able to, and if it wasn't for some of us who are um, resisting that. Um, so, you know, we, we, I guess many Irish people possibly wouldn't even know if we were members of NATO or not, um, such as the, the discourse around our proximity to, to NATO. Of course, we, we have... Another issue at the moment, which we, we might get on to speaking to as well, that um, the, the plans to, to strengthen the European Union security and defence um, is, um, well, it's, it's perhaps a, a counterbalance to, to NATO. It's um, also, I guess, seen as um, by the, the, the stronger European countries as attempting to reduce the European Union's reliance on NATO, and this is something that we in Ireland are getting sucked into inexorably as as well, and are becoming part of. It's not clear to me that that conversation has really taken hold in the United States, where some of us are aware that Trump is demanding that France and Germany support NATO and stop all this crazy, evil talk of a European military, uh, but everybody in the U.S. public uh, is of the belief that, that Trump is trying to destroy NATO and therefore NATO is a, is a force for good. Uh, what, what are people aware of in, in Europe and, and what are they, when offered the choice of, of NATO or a European military or peaceful uh, foreign relations, what do they prefer? 
Mm, it, it's an interesting question. We actually had a politician here in Ireland about, what was it, close to 20 years ago. Mary Harney was her name. She was in government, and she, she once made a comment to the effect that we were sometimes closer to Boston than Berlin, you know, drawing on the, the the large Irish contingent, I guess, that exists in sure. Boston. Um, we, we've, you know, Ireland sort of keeps its options open, I think, at, at all times. Will it sell itself to, to any empire, any imperialist power? Um, we, we've, I guess, supported the U.S. And I think, I mean, uh, it, it was... Um, misguided on so many levels. Um, most importantly, the catastrophic damage that is being done by the U.S. military around the world. But we we probably hooked ourselves to that um, empire back at the start of the last decade because we felt that it would be beneficial in terms of trade relations. Um, we we've always, of, for the last several decades, have been relatively close. To, to NATO. We've had fractured relationship, of course, with our nearest neighbour, Britain, and, and that continues now with, with Brexit. And of course, that preoccupies um, a lot of the, the media here now as, as well as to whether Britain is or not going to leave the European Union. And if Britain leaves the European Union, well, what's going to happen to us? We're still part of it, but we've got a lot of trade links with Britain. So, a lot of our, our um, thought processes come back to those trade relations. Looking at the EU, which used to be the European Economic Community, this is also something that Ireland benefited quite well from over the decades. Since we joined at the start of the 1970s, there has been fairly welcome and effective supports for agriculture. And I think we, we tend to see the European Union, broadly speaking, as a um, an entity that can be beneficial for us. So we're shifting ourselves towards that. The, one of the problems is, first of all, the centralization of power in the European Union um, and the removal of any decision-making and of, of autonomy for the member states. But another grave um, Difficulty with the European Union now, as I mentioned, is its increasing levels of militarization and its, um, I guess, it, it, its views on itself, um, or when I say its views on itself, I primarily mean France and Germany, their views on um, their power around the world or their potential power as a, as a European Union entity that has a strong industrial program and, and military industrial program to, to back it. And if the European Union becomes a military alliance and Ireland is in the European Union, then Ireland is in an, another military alliance, right? Yes, and, and we, we are already, actually, because we've joined a thing called the Permanent Structured Cooperation on Security and Defence, um, which is part of the European Union. It's known as PESCO for, for short. Um, and th this is something that has essentially is, is embedding us in the, the European militarization because this 
defence cooperation, which, as I said, is possibly intended to reduce the EU's reliance on, on NATO, is made up of 25 member states, most but not all of which are, are members of, of NATO. And it does appear to be paving the way for the creation of a European army. And that is something that's, that's gravely worrying. At the moment, we have been told by our leaders here in Ireland that we you know, will, will not opt into projects that undermine our military neutrality. But the sorts of things that, that come under PESCO are things like uh, a European or pan-European military training centre. They're, they're looking at um, medical units and logistics hubs that are being led very often by Germany. Um, faster crisis response forces, intelligence exchanges and cyber threats. That's that's a big one as well. But then you start getting into the areas of, of things like um, submarine drones and you, you get into the policing of the, the Mediterranean, um, essentially forcing migrants who are fleeing from the wars and the catastrophic damages we've done to climate towards Europe being forced back into Africa. And that border is, is being militarized now as, as well, or has been. So, yes, we're, we're being, you know, it, it, there's over the last many years, um, there has been a steady, stealthy normalization of all of this militarization. And, and that that's seeping into our psyche and, and you know there are some of us that are pushing back against the tide but it's it's not easy. We're speaking with John Lennon, who is a founding member of Shannon Watch uh, and uh, a lecturer and researcher at the University of Limerick. Uh, John, what do you find uh, with your students and with young people in Ireland uh, in terms of the normalization of, of militarism? Are they, are they resisting this? Are, are, are young people still the place to turn for, for peace activists? Not really, unfortunately. And one of the features of our movements like the Peace and Neutrality Alliance is the um, aging profile of the, a lot of the members. Um, students, I think, in, in Ireland got very um, detached from issues of social justice in general over the last two decades. There is a welcome resurgence in interest in the types of, of things that, that students should be concerned about in terms of the issues that affect them. And we've had a number of cases here in Ireland where we had um, referendums, um, first of all, um, in relation to, to marriage equality, um, and, and extending the, the right to marriage to, to gay couples. But also we've had one on the, the issue of abortion as well and the right to, to abortion. And young people have begun to become exercised on issues like that because I believe they can see the connection, how it impacts and how it affects them and their lives. Unfortunately, the devastating consequences of the wars that we're supporting are, of course, also having an impact on their lives, but that connection has not been made yet. So we haven't 
yet seen the mobilization of young people to oppose um, things like the U.S. military use of Shannon and our support for, for wars and our engagement in military alliances. There is more on the other side in terms of supporting people who are fleeing from wars, but again, the, the, the rhetoric is, is garbled off and on that, and there are right-wing elements that are disturbing and are um, instilling fear and ignorance and confusion very often, even in young, educated people who should be paying attention to these matters and taking a more principled stand. Ireland is taking some positive steps regarding the environment, correct, including divestment from fossil fuels? Yes, and this is something that that we've um, had a positive engagement with. Um, Our our natural resources is something that has exercised us over the years. So I'm thinking in particular around... um, ongoing um, opposition um, and um, non-violent direct action that was taken against essentially a corporate takeover of some of our oil and gas resources off the west coast of Ireland and the Corrib gas fields, which a previous government essentially sold off to um, Shell and a number of other large corporations. And divestment... I'm sorry. So sorry, I was going to ask. Also, divestment from from Israel is something that's made some progress, right? Yes, it it, it has, and and we we um, have become exercised with that. I was going to say, in terms of our fossil fuels, yes, we have. The, our peak bogs have always been important to the people of of Ireland, and I think we, you know, because we've been an agricultural island. And we've got a lot of our people are still rooted in the land and in the farms. They understand the importance of maintaining the integrity of the the land and the the soil upon which we 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 must live and we must survive. Um, there has also been a, I guess, a, a long-standing relationship or support for the Palestinian people here in Ireland as well. And that has gone back over the decades. And the the most welcome recent manifestation of that, of course, has been the um, support in our parliaments and the the passing of a bill to um, essentially not to 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 boycott um, and to to divest and to um, not trade in goods coming from the illegal settlements that Israel has has placed on Palestinian, the occupied Palestinian territories. And and where I imagine uh, people's understanding falls short is in terms of the, the connection between these issues, the environmental damage of militarism and the, and the insanity of using militarism as a response to climate change and, and movement of refugees, the, the, the vicious cycle created. Yes, yes. And we haven't joined the dots there yet because, um, well, we, we don't have enough discussion and discourse about this. We, we don't have um, those, those clear and you know, to, to, to our mind what should be 
obvious links between the catastrophic effects of what we in the West are doing or imposing in other parts of the world and the consequences for us then in terms of the um, arrival of, of refugees, the, uh, the, the, the damage that to, to our climate and to the changes there, the difficulties with, with getting access uh, will be to, to water and to, to food. You know, to um, and, and and terrorism as well. You know the fact that because we engage in sending armies or supporting armies on their way to creating havoc in in um, cities and communities and and families, we we get the violent reactions and responses in our own communities as well. Now, thankfully, that's not something that Ireland has um, been. Um, subjected to, but we always worry that there is the potential for that in some place like Shannon Airport. Yeah, I I guess it was back in November that I was in Dublin for a conference uh, with people from various countries wanting to work on closing bases, uh, and I found that valuable in terms of sharing ideas uh, with people from different places. Um, uh, was that conference helpful to people in Ireland, and, and what activism uh, is happening these days around Shannon? That, that conference was really helpful, and it was a very welcome opportunity for us to engage with like-minded activists from all around the world. Um, many of, of um, our friends and colleagues like yourself from the U.S., but from other parts of the globe, parts that are affected by um, U.S. militarism in, in particular, because we were focusing on U.S. military bases. And we, we I think we, we're taking more positive steps in the right direction in terms of um, engaging together and, and working together to um, try to, to hold back this um, increasingly dangerous juggernaut that's um, traveling around the world, this military might that's um, becoming pervasive. It's, it's something, and it's, it's touching all of our lives, because as somebody, as you said, that you mentioned that I work at the university, as somebody who sees what's happening in the science and engineering labs and in other parts and looks at the types of materials and the types of um, technologies that, that we're developing, I, um, I'm, I'm acutely aware as well that a lot of these are going into to military um, applications. And, and, and our, our economy is becoming increasingly dependent on militarism because um, our, our leaders, um, sadly the ones that we elect, but these are, our leaders are utterly unimaginative when it comes to doing anything else, anything more um, sustainable in terms of um, creating an economy and more importantly a society that will support us all. Speaking of unimaginative, I think I've told you I asked the Irish ambassador to the United States when she visited the University of Virginia how it could be legal for Ireland to allow all these troops to pass through its airports on the way to wars uh, and still claim to be neutral. Uh, and she assured me that she had asked uh, 
members of the U.S. government at the at the highest level, which I took to mean Donald Trump or some of his uh, gang, uh, and they had assured her it was all perfectly legal. Uh, so, not not only no imagination, no thought at all. Uh, just it's all right then, isn't it? Yeah, just taking yeah. orders. Um, the, the, the old the old adage: "They hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil." Um, is is very much to the fore with all of this. Our, our government have and and our departmental officials have consistently and repeatedly told us in response to freedom of information requests and parliamentary questions that they have had assurances as well. So when we had CIA rendition planes coming through, Shannon, we were assured that there were no prisoners on board those. With the military planes that were coming through, we were being assured that there are no weapons on board. In fact, we were assured that the troop carriers had no weapons on board until somebody took one of the weapons off one of those planes and presented it, and they could no longer say that there were no weapons on board, so they had to correct that one. But bizarrely, even though the military contracted troop carriers that are passing through Shannon are now um, said to be and are carrying weapons, the military planes themselves, the ones operated by the U.S. Navy and the U.S. military um, and, and Air Force, are not carrying weapons, according to the assurances that have been given. They're not engaged in military exercises or operations. Um, and, well, we, we therefore ask the question, if that's so, then what are they doing? And we have never got an answer to that question. It's a very good question. What what all these militaries do that's non-military? Because this this comes up all the time with you know the financial cost of the wars, and it's a little fraction of the military spending. And you wonder what is all the other military spending for? It's just for normal maintenance of a war machine. Uh, but somehow that's not for wars. Uh, people can uh, people can go. I should mention to worldbeyondwar.org/ireland and find a petition uh, telling uh, Ireland to get U.S. troops out uh, of its airports. Um, we'll put up links at Talk Nation Radio to to Pana, the Peace and Neutrality Alliance, and to Shannon Watch. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that we can do some some big events uh, in in the area of Shannon Airport uh, in the coming months and years. Uh, what, what We've got just a minute or two left. What else can people do to help who want to learn more or get involved? Well, as, as you say, you can go to our website, so um, pana.ie. We have shannonwatch.org as well, which has lots of information and ongoing um monitoring, essentially, of what's going through Shannon. We have um, monthly peaceful protests at the airport. I think the more pressure that can be brought and the more questions that can be asked of the Irish government in relation to Shannon Airport, the better. And to um, look at, even looking at what our constitution says in terms of the peaceful resolution of conflict and ask, how can any Irish government justify the millions of armed U.S. troops that are coming through one of our airports if they are intent on peaceful resolution? So 
So I think we, we've, you know, through our networks, through our diaspora, through communities, be they Irish, be they other communities, putting those questions, asking how can a country that claims to be neutral stand over what it's doing in terms of the war and the devastation that it's supporting around the world. That's important. Very good question. We've been speaking with John Lennon. He is, among other things, a founding member of Shannon Watch. John, thank you for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.